0: To set up, yes, sir. We are back. It is the wartime sessions. Told y'all we'd be back with these. Not doing them every day like I did the, the week before last, but you know I'm gonna pop up with them. Try maybe once or twice a week at least. And um, you know last week was a. Uh, you know, just took last week off. I really, I really wasn't sit down. I wasn't sat down and settled at this time of day, but once or twice last week anyway. So I wouldn't have done it much even if I wanted to, but I was dealing with some stuff, had some family stuff, you no know, family member lost their life to uh, uh, the COVID. Uh, if you follow me personally, you should uh, know a bit about that story likely. And, um, but uh, you know, just just keeping on, man, surviving and all that, and uh, yeah, back here tonight uh, doing this. Uh, you know, glad interesting weekend. You know quite a bit to talk about. Um, on a serious side and not so serious side, I'd say on the serious side, you know, you got the uh, the brother who got shot in Georgia, of course, in Atlanta. And a uh, really uh, another really bad story I heard I just heard about today the young lady protester organizer down in Tallahassee who they got uh, who they found out got uh got murdered was uh, sexually assaulted and murdered and you know just really uh, a tough story there I'm, I'm, if you've been on wine, particularly uh, today I think. Get those, get her name up. May not pronounce it exactly, but uh, no, we got uh, we got David coming on. My man David Evans about to bring him on, but um, let me let me get the the young lady's name on in my home computer. Uh, uh, but um, it really just broke, you know. Really just broke my heart. Her story, and um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead bring David on. David gonna talk to me about some of the lighter things, some of the heavier things too. But this is my man, Dave. If you know anything about Regal, and you if you go back with us a while, you should know Dave you <laughs> right up on the screen but, but you no know, day's been uh you no know, part of the team been contributing with us since about the beginning this is about the first time i've seen you since all this COVID stuff has broken out you've been yeah. you've been we were going to see each other yesterday in person but i kind of broke that off but yeah well, it was good to see you for oh, for yeah. while are you you in the house now or are you somewhere else? No, I'm in the house. Okay, I don't know, but I figured you wouldn't be anywhere else. But <laughs> I'm just making sure. How you doing, yeah. man? Oh man,
1: good. Trying to stay
0: sane like everybody else. Okay, but yeah, I was. I I know I know uh, some of the stuff we was planning to talk about, but I, I I was going into the young lady in Tallahassee. I don't know if you know about her story the uh Oluwatoyin Oluwuton- and um if, any- if if anybody can correct me on that name feel free but she was a uh, you know a black lives matter protester down there and everything and uh her body got discovered over the weekend and she uh, apparently had got uh well, she was down there looking for people to help her get you know <laughs> looking for places to stay and stuff she had protests and need a place to stay afterwards, which, you know, that in of itself is is tough for me to deal with. You know, people don't, pe- people ain't really supporting a lot of these people out here who are working hard for us. And, you know, I think that's something that I think when you when you look back at the past movements and stuff, I mean, it was, it was hard for me to imagine a person who, Is protesting and in the middle of their community doing good work and then not having a place to stay at the end of the night. Like, why wasn't someone there to take her in and support her and not have her in a position where a man could take advantage of her and end up murdering her? that's just, it's just really tough for me to deal with. But I don't don't know if you had any thoughts on that, man.
1: No, I mean, no, I agree. I think that is. I think ultimately is that you know the unfortunate nature of it is is that well you have to kind of know the environment you're going into, and if one if you're going into a place where you're going to have supporters, or have some type of network that can put you up, um, and I'm not really sure as far as how like you know BLM friendly Tallahassee is. Yeah, uh, you hear different stories about. Florida and about them just, you know, not necessarily being the most friendly places to African-American people in general. So you kind of have to just kind of take that with a grain of salt. That unfortunately, you know, all of these places are not necessarily going to be the most, may not be the supportive, may not have the network that you need when you are looking for a place to crash.
0: Well, apparently, man, apparently she was murdered by a brother and, she, like, she it was her and another woman Vicki Sims a 75 year old who apparently were murdered in a double homicide uh, by this by this 49 year old man I think he has been identified as a black man well it's I, I don't, so we, I don't know you may have a serial killer down in that area or something man but you know yeah I think it's just- And yeah. if you're a man and you're a protester, I mean, you may take a risk
1: sleeping in the car.
0: Yeah, and um uh, fortunately they got the guy in custody and hopefully that's hopefully that's the right guy you know but um you know hopefully some sort of justice is uh is is enabled in that in that story um you look at the other big story coming out this weekend with uh the young brother Brooks I believe and then Georgia Atlanta um you know that's another situation where Things can go left immediately, and you know he—the guy was nodding off. I guess he had had a little bit, you know, had some drinks that evening, and he was in the Wendy's drive-through, nodded off. Uh, you know, police were report. You no, know, police were reported, called in for him. You know, the 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 video, the the body cam video shows the whole story. He was. You know, in discussion with the police, they were seen quite amiable with him for a while. But then all of a sudden, they you know as they put the cuffs on him, he starts to uh, resist. He runs away, he, you know, got got his hands on the taser. One of the tasers, those two police officers, got his hand on the taser, ran away, sort of pointed back the taser at one of the officers. And the off- an officer who was running at him uh, shot him. And uh, you know, killed him dead in the parking lot. Now that's that set Atlanta back on on fire. And now Atlanta was one of the main places already in the wake of the George Floyd stuff. Now they got this they're dealing with directly. The two officers have been uh, dismissed, and um, you know, the uh, police chief resigned as well. But uh, a lot of a lot of that's going on down there in Atlanta, man. I you know we'll get your thoughts on that, Dave. I mean, I think that it's just, I mean, yeah, as you just said,
1: it just sets backing the improvement you know, of relationships. The relations between you know, um Atlanta PD, the APD, as well as, you know, just black citizens in Atlanta.
0: Pause there. See Dave. Hey Dave. Hopefully he's okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely issues going on with the citizenry in Atlanta. Okay. You good there? Can you hear Can you hear me? I hear you now. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. That's cool. um, I think it uh, sets back just relation you know, any type of discussion between the A P D and black citizens in Atlanta. I think that unfortunately, you know, police have to figure out a way to be a little less uh, reactionary. Um, but um, you know, and that's a part of the uh, you know. Well, until that happens, you're gonna continue to have situations like this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a trip. How you know, I can see how it just it, it's, this was a particular instance. It could just inflame so quickly, and it's like. I don't know. I I just wonder what was in the brother's mind. You know, I don't I don't blame him or anything for for running, or for being felt. You know, being put to the point of unease, uh, to where uh, you hear me, Dad. I don't blame. I don't blame the brother for. Yeah, hear you. Okay. I don't I don't blame the brother. You know, I think there's some fools out there. Like like there's some fool on Twitter. And I don't know if he was being facetious or not. I I don't really. Whenever I see something stupid on Twitter, I just pass it by nowadays. I don't bother to see if people are joking or not. But a guy on Twitter was like, you know, you should make it like a life sentence if you resist arrest. Maybe that will stop people from resisting arrest. I guess the the thinking was that the people. If there was a punishment behind resisting arrest that that, that that was that extreme, then people wouldn't resist arrest and therefore police wouldn't shoot people who resisted arrest. But George, that's George very Floyd pain, didn't. that's very strained uh, thinking. There. But go ahead, Dave. I was
1: going to say George Floyd didn't resist arrest. Right, right. It didn't
0: work out. No. Um, but but I'll I, I say, uh, I, if I let you go, I'm just saying that I don't blame him. I I do wonder though, being in a position where, you know, this is a man with a family and kids and, you know, you know, I think you want to go home, you know, you want to put yourself in a position where you can go home and I, 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 I don't, but you know, you have to think though, when you do resist like that, when you do fight like that, that you are putting yourself in a position where you can live, you're liable to get shot. You're liable to be, you know, to, to die in that situation but I also know the position that a brother could be in where they just cannot get arrested by the cops they're like i'm not gonna I'm not gonna get put in in uh you know forever whatever, whatever reason whether you have a warrant or or what or you think you have a you know some sort of situation that's that's on your back where it's like I can't let these cops you know put me in in custody like that so it's just a it's a it it really illustrates again. Like you say, the pain relationship that likely Atlanta residents have with the with the officers, and that black people have with officers too. There's no sort of understanding there. That that situation happens completely different if it's a white person. You don't never see. You rarely see white people unless they're really like criminals or something, getting into situations like that with the cops. But if you're a black man. You the light, the lightest offense can get you in a situation where you're immediately fighting for your life. Well, well I putting money, not fighting for your life as much as it is just putting your life in jeopardy. Simple misunderstandings can lead to that. I think that part of the issue is that, you know, resisting arrest shouldn't necessarily mean a immediate death sentence,
1: as it has many cases with. African Americans and the police. I think that the unfortunate you know, is that the onus of uh, the police officer is that you're the person in the position of authority and power. You're in a position of authority to use lethal force, and with that, you have to have some level of reserve when doing so. Yeah. You know, with that cop, he, you know, with the with the police officer, he was aware that uh, a taser was stolen from him, but it wasn't a pistol fortunately, I mean, if it was if it was a pistol, that I can understand. Man. if it was a gun, I can understand. But a taser, you know, is you know, while it has a certain level of lethal, you know, uh, potential, it's not uh, it's not going to, in most cases, it's not going to kill somebody. Right. So I don't. So the, the you know the argument of just you know that being a valid thing is that he broke free, he ran. One of their taser at somebody. That's not a valid enough reason to use, you know, a gun on somebody. And then, like I said, there was already a precedent set, a legal precedent set where that was illegal to shoot somebody uh, in the back uh, who's running away. I uh, We got a Tennessee versus some, you know, someone where that had been done where the police had shot somebody in the back. I'm sure it's happened plenty of times. But there was a legal precedent that was set that, that essentially makes it that that's illegal. So, yeah, I mean, it tends to be just, I mean, the issue at hand is that you Know, I don't know if this police have to have you know an increase in empathy training or if it's just like a higher barrier entry needs to be in place for when you have new applicants go on. I was having a conversation with a neighbor of mine who's a police officer, and unfortunately, the barrier of entry is so low. Yeah, like, I just think about you know, before prior to you know, I guess getting involved and in becoming a real estate agent, I was working on my master's and teaching and this. All of the hoops that you had to jump through just to become a licensed teacher, um, you know, was just so much higher than a police officer.
0: I think people have put up like the number of hours you need to study for different positions, or, or like certain—I I, forgive some of these positions—but it's like you know the the out the study hours. Like you may need fifteen hundred hours of of uh, training to do to do one thing to do something that's way less than. Important than a police officer, but police officers have much. I forget the numbers, for police, but it's not very much hours of training that's involved with police officers. And it's like it is. Yeah, they need they need to be trained better. They need to be. I think they need to be better suited at hand to hand combat. You know, teach them out some Krav Maga or something, or some of that old Bruce Lee, that Bruce Lee gung fu, not not kung fu, the gung fu. That, that Bruce Lee was teaching. <laughs> I mean, they need to do, I mean, I'm you know, trying to be funny here, but they they need to do something where they're not so damn scared every time they come into contact. Now, of course, we know why they're scared of black folks, of black men in particular, because that's that's deep mental shit that's involved, not just being physically intimidated, but they just don't know how to... A lot of them really don't know how to fight or, or how to just put down a man peacefully or in you know in in a in a in a responsible fashion without you know getting a position where they got to feel they they got to pull their gun out
1: yeah i mean yeah and i mean ultimately you could probably do that in a lot of cases where you just diffuse the situation
0: yeah diffuse that's a good word
1: yeah without having to necessarily use restraining force in the first place but unfortunately, that's not enough. Uh, that's not enough of what's taught, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, go into law enforcement with the opportunity to, you know, essentially, you know, I guess, have an outlet for their pent up frustrations or their shortcomings in life. It's kind of like ultimately going to the gym for some people or alcohol for some people. Whatever it may be, it's a way for them to vent their frustrations, or, or essentially to, you know, push their, you know, whatever their shortcomings in life on somebody else. I think that's part of the problem, and then another part of the issue problem with, with neighbor miles mentioning it is that a lot of them do not
0: necessarily have a wide range of experience to deal with other people. Yeah. So you, mean, you mentioned like if you grew up, with, you know, if you're a cop, say in
1: Chicago and you live in Mount Greenwood. And, you know, the majority of your life has been in Mount Greenwood, outside of going to some, some tour, maybe some tourist spot vacations. You know, you don't have a large interactions with people who, look, who don't look like you. And if you only interactions with black people or in a, you know, I guess, I don't know, in a situation where they may be the perpetrator of some crime, you don't have, uh, you, you don't have a nuanced perception of black people. And that's essentially going to taint your interactions with them. Um, you know, when it comes to minor, and even when it comes to the smallest of interactions. Uh, right. And I think that's a part of the problem.
0: Yeah, I've, I've just pulled up some on my laptop. Um, it's about the police training uh, hours in Georgia. It's on the Fox affiliate mm-hmm. website, I believe, in, Ge- in, uh, in uh, Fox 24. It says documents show length of Georgia police training half the national average. And it says that the uh, the length of time needed for a peace officer certification in Georgia is 408 hours. And the average in surrounding southeastern states is 547 hours, with the, uh, the most hours being... In that, in that region going to North Carolina, they required 903 training hours. And, um, yeah, Georgia, only Mississippi, not surprisingly, with 400 hours is, is lower than Georgia. I think one yeah. of the things that I think is going to come, you know, from, from reform with police, we have to have some sort of national standard with stuff like this, and particularly with training. We can't yeah, just leave probably. it to states to, to to uh to control that for themselves.
1: That's not unfortunately has to be surprised if that happens. Um, uh, you know, especially with the president we have in place.
0: Well yeah, and that's now, yeah, unfortunately that's that's a big part of the Yeah, you are right, you're right. But I think we need to have some shit like that in
1: Agreed, but yeah, no, he's gonna he's gonna let states. I mean, it's kind of like with them, with with Kobe, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> just, you know, Atlanta and Georgia opened up before everybody else. I mean, it's pretty much up to you know state discretion to, you know, essentially set standards for training and things like that. So the fact that cops in you know Georgia have less hours training to say a gym teacher is not really all that surprising. Um, it's, I mean, it's
0: uh got another thing from CNN. This is. This is from 2016. States require more training time to become a barber than a police officer. That's why I think, that's one of the things I saw. Barber has to train for more hours than a police officer. And yeah, uh, yeah. like in North Carolina at the time, they said, I guess they have raised it up since then, but they, at the time of this posting, it said the North Carolina police officer needed 620 hours as opposed to the 900 or so they need now but a barber needed over 1500 hours of training. So it's like you know what was the what's what what is that what is that man that's you know that's that's just crazy. That's, uh what are the priorities you know? Cosmetologist I mean, 600 hours of training. You know.
1: People, I mean so yeah I mean I think a part of it is one I mean jobs in the south traditionally pay less. So I wouldn't be surprised if the police departments in the South pay less. I, I, I'd almost, you know, almost say, hundred percent sure. Being a police officer in, you know, the South, in a lot of cases, pay less than it will in northern major metro areas. I mean, you know, you're not paying what the median salary for like, for police officers in Chicago is, just under
0: $100,000 a year, as of a few years ago. So, um, you know. I'd be really surprised, even if there's any of the if it's the that, That's probably know. every that's probably states in all regions though that's lacking like that. I see what you say about the South, but it, it yeah. probably you probably got stuff like that in all regions though.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I think that's part of what the South draw is for a lot
0: of people. I mean, to be honest, is the lack of regulation. Yeah, I mean, you go to I mean, states' rights. It's always been an issue when it comes to the South. States' rights.
1: So, I mean, for us, is I mean that 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 state that's you know limited regulations would be Indiana. You go to Indiana. <laughs> yeah, Indiana, Indiana, yeah. Fireworks for, for, your, for not only for your fireworks, for your cheap alcohol, for your cheap gas, for you know uh, gentlemen's clubs. You go there for you know less, more you know regulated uh, just industries. um, and I think that's just kind of trickulates its way through all, you know, even through, like, the police force. But I, mean, I think it's just really unfortunate. But I don't know if there's... But as long I seriously that was going to be a situation where there ends up being a federal mandate for, you know, a minimum of hours that's required for police training, uh, sadly.
0: So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I guess I'll leave it at that. Nothing else... Uh... I guess one more thing I do want to mention on the serious side that is a positive is the uh, the the workers' rights, uh, I guess the you know, Supreme Court going on the side of workers' rights for, uh, you know, uh, for homosexuals and trans people, uh, you know, gay people, you know, it, 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 that's, no. You know, uh, there was a big march out in uh, New York for trans rights, Black Trans Lives Matter. Has uh trended quite quite steadily in recent days, and you know it's it's definitely great to see that sort of progression. Uh, Aww. you know, amongst amongst a lot of the the bad stuff that we're hearing now, and the tough things that we're dealing with, you know, that's you know that's something good. That's something that really is uh you know that that we could go bring that we could get a hold of as far as uh progression and everything. And um, I just wanted to shout that out and um it, it, and they said that justice Roberts the the chief justice was involved in the decision there, which is pretty surprising because he was a guy who came into the court controversy you know with very a lot of controversy and was thinking as a guy thought as to be a guy who's going to be holding water for the conservative side of of the uh you know of the government, but you know maybe there is some hope that uh, you know, that's that's part of the deal. You got to put pressure on these people and, and hope that they adhere to some sort of professionalism, at least, especially in positions like that, that they adhere to professionalism and they adhere to the law and that they're not these outlaw rebel judges and stuff or, you know, lawmakers or whoever, you know, and that they just hold to this, hold to these uh, ideas of these these ideas that they have of of, of restriction and you know and uh, and this and this, you know in alienation and you know doing bad doing bad things to people like that. So yeah, I, I, like I said, I just, wanted, I just for me that was just something good that I think we could hold on to in this moment of chaos overall. It's good. I
1: mean, it's probably fifty years too late, but well, it's I mean, fifty years. Wait, but it, I mean, it's good. I think that the, you know, the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think that you know, wow, it's good that they're you know, it, you know, listening to the letter of the law when it comes to things like that. I think the issue is really the smaller, you know, state courts where really you know a lot of the things tend to ha- tend to happen. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the justice tend to occur. You know, and I think that's really where the pressure has to go. I mean, the Supreme Court. Yeah, you you know, it's, you're going to have some conservative judges. And they may have some, you know, meanings, but it's so many cases that they don't, you know, get the chance to hear that affect people adversely throughout this country, and it happened at the lower, you know, the lower courts. That really is where the change needs to be. Because when people vote, they got to know, you know, the judges that they're voting for. And I think, unfortunately, there's no, you know, there's a limited amount of clarity to what these judges' policies are. So yeah, I mean, but no, it's definitely, you know, I guess a ray of sunshine
0: uh yeah know, it
1: had a lot of the bad news um
0: in recent hours. and when you when you talk about judges at the lower levels of again that is you know as, as, at least with federal judges it's important too the way that we vote and the people who we who we put in at the federal level in um in in the Congress and presidency of course because they have they have say with federal judges at at those levels at every level and That, like you say, it's important. It's important who's who's overseeing these issues and these cases at each at each level of government, not just the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, of course, you know, there's a big highlight for everything, and they set the tone in a lot of ways for for the lower judges. But they don't; those lower levels don't have to listen all the time to the Supreme Court, and that that's why we get unfair occurrences that happen. In states, in individual states, in much of the southern states, and that brings. I'm 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 transitioning over to sort of the lighter side of things and the more creative things that we, me and Dave, were planning on going to. Anyway, but and and I want to start that with uh, the movie Just Mercy, which uh, I don't know if you've seen that day, but I I watched it for the first time and the second time this week. Uh, this weekend, actually Friday and Saturday, I saw it for the first two times. And I thought that was a really good movie, affecting movie. And it has a lot, and it deals a lot with the court system in Alabama and the unfortunate, uh, you know, case of, of a man who was put on death row and was saved by the, the lawyer, Brian Stevenson, who was an amazing individual. And, uh, you know, uh, he was played by Michael B. Jordan in the movie, the, uh, the, uh, the inmate, the, the falsely accused murderer in that movie was played by Jamie Foxx. And, um yeah, it was just a, a really good, positive story. And, you know, the well done as a movie and everything. And the movie has been made available in the wake of this upheaval in, in this you know, Black Lives Matter movement. It's been made available for free. It, it's... it's it, it's an uplifting movie. It, it, you know, if you if you don't know much or haven't put too much thought into the way that black people are taken advantage of by the criminal system, the justice system, it you know it give, it delivers that to you in a you know in a you know mainstream sort of Hollywood way, but it's done effectively. Like I said, and um, you know, it's it's, it's like I said, just moving in that way, and it's great to see. Just how uh, uh, just to see the the way that Brian Stevenson was able to come to sort of evolve it was sort of like a superhero story in a way where he became this he, he was coming straight out of school at a Harvard Law school, goes to Alabama to fight these cases for people uh, who can't who, who really don't have any other protection, no other support. Finds, founds the Equal Justice Institute, and you know since then he's just he's uh helped keep hunt keep or uh, take off of death row like 140 different people, and uh, like I said, just an amazing dude, and uh you know like I said, really really enjoyed the movie, and I think Jamie got overlooked uh in regards to war stuff, not not that that's most important, but you know he 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 was really effective in his role and. You know, it was it was like actually it was a good movie. I, have you seen that day? No, I haven't
1: seen it. I mean, I read the backstory, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. it's funny
0: you bring it up. Uh, my wife. Let's pause again. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Instagram kicks you out if you don't touch the screen every while. At least my. Tap one uh, But no, my wife works for a law firm
1: and uh, she coordinated, I guess, the yes. showing at her firm for uh, Just Mercy. So, and then I've also read the backstory on it. So, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to watch it, but you are right. It's an important story. Um, definitely a compelling story. And it's just unfortunate that travesties of justice like that has happened in recent history. Um, not even with the case that Brian Stevenson. Uh, if I can't remember, but somebody was just—it uh, was a recent execution in uh, Texas or someone—and he pretty much he could, he continued to profess his innocence um, the whole time. If you know, and if I probably recall correctly, you know what? No, the Texas the Texas execution was actually state. Um, okay. There was another there was another uh, inmate who um, and I don't know if he was from from one southern state, and he was executed. Based upon uh, hearsay story that he had executed two cops, and even though it was his partner who did to execute, you know, the execution of another two cops, and they, they still pretty much still you know pinned the case on him, and he was unfortunately executed uh, by lethal injection a uh, couple within the last six months. So it's just unfortunate that travesties of justice like that still happen, and uh, just unfortunate. You know, it's good that the work that uh, Brian Stevenson does to kind of, you know, stop this because it's, it's really just, I guess it's really I think that, you know, the death penalty unless you have almost certainty that someone is guilty of a crime there's no, there's no reason for it um, to to be, you know, you can't bring that person back, there's no amount of monetary damages you you know, that you can right that wrong when somebody's, you know dead, Um, and I think that's really what's going to you know, come to light, you know, now, like with, with, you know, George Floyd's death and a lot of other people, you know, killed by the police unnecessarily. Is that, you know, the amount of money, whatever it is, whatever the judgment is, it doesn't necessarily change the inherent issues that are wrong with the system. The families, you know, financial issues may be addressed, but it doesn't address the void for the person who was taken, um, you know, whose life was taken unnecessarily.
0: Yeah, when you look at our nation and our society, you know, so many people want to hold. You know, throughout the history of America, wanted to hold it up as some shining beacon, but we're still very barbarous in nature, and that and the death penalty is one of those things that we haven't shaken, and that we need to, if I, I think, if we're ever gonna live up to our our greatest nature potentially as a, as a nation, and that you know and. It's no. It makes no sense that that we put people to death in any way. And there's a there's a particular sequence where they show a man, you know, getting put to death in that movie. And it's, it's just to even see that on a film, to you know, and imagine seeing that in person. Like is I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing it. Just sitting there watching a man get put to death, but. You no, know, we do that. We there's still places where we do that in, in this country, and we got to fight yeah.
1: that. Well, yeah, no, I agree, agree, yeah. agree.
0: And you look at another way where we sort of get off our, our on our barbarous nature in society is war. And um, you know, I know you came to me earlier today. Uh, you know, put it in all caps: the five bloods. <laughs> I know. You Wanted to talk about that, uh, very much. And me and you, one of the ways that we have bonded over the years in, in various ways is through our discussion of Spike Lee and Spike Lee films. And, um, uh, you no, know, he comes out with a new one this, uh, this past Friday, became official on, became available on, on, uh, Netflix. I watched it that evening. And I was I was again quite taken with the movie. I'm a big Spike fan. I think he's only misstepped, you know, a couple of times in his career Holy, Uh, but you know, he's he's sort of engaged in this this late career renaissance. He's been in the game for over 30 years. And you look at his last his last movie before this was probably his most awarded film overall and one of his highest grossing films, Black Klansman. And it looks like, you know, this film, you know, it won't have the ability to make a lot of money because it won't be in in theaters. But, it, you know, if they have anything like a Oscar uh, ceremony or Academy Award ceremony, I think it will be very much in the mix by the way that... Critics have uh, received it, uh, and the way that really you look at a performance like Delroy Lindo's, it, it was kind of—it's really undeniable. He really should be uh, uh, acknowledged for that performance. And uh, you know, the movie overall was just fantastic. And I, I see you agree with me on Delroy, but uh, what, what are your thoughts overall about the about the movie?
1: <laughs> um, it's hard, so it's. I think you know. I don't know. Maybe it's an inherent. It, it was enjoyable. I mean, it. it was, okay. I mean, it's like movies are nothing else to entertain. Yeah. Whether you know whether they're aesthetically you know necessarily you know make sense or they're linear, you know they're they're always entertaining. Okay. Um, yeah. But that was, so that was the first thing. They're I mean, it, for me, it was a little bit longer than what it needed to be, but yeah. that's still saying it, it was still enjoyable. I think that. The parts that did it for me, you know, was definitely Daryl Lindo's
0: performance. That his character, I kind of resonate with pretty well. <laughs> I, I know how you do too. I, I don't know if you want to say it, but go ahead. I, 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 <laughs> I know he reminds you of someone. <laughs> yeah, I have a family member he reminds me of. I
1: understood <laughs> the, between you know the father and son, the uh, John, uh, John Major's uh, character and Daryl Lindo very well. Yeah. So. You know, and I understood you know the PTSD uh, you know just his affinity for Trump all those things I understood pretty well I understood you know the issues that yell he guilt um, yeah so those are the things that resonated the most with me I mean there were some things that I didn't necessarily you know aesthetically you know had to question with uh, some of it like the fight scenes were a little or the firefight scenes were
0: a little some of them were a little strange them not you know aging. Um, you know correctly uh i mean with them still being the same age they were as they, you know during the battle scenes in vietnam as they were in you know present day they didn't go the Irishman route and make them look younger yeah. so that was just kind of that was a little weird and then at the end they showed them in a you know a picture and they showed them as younger in the picture but not through, throughout the film so that was kind of odd to me um I, let me go into that right quick i I've read like from from reading that I've done uh, leading up to watching the movie, and um, you know, of course, I think one thing it was I would it probably was a budgetary thing in on one level, because that you know they say with the Irishman that cost a gang of money to do all that those <laughs> those things with them, but also I think on a storytelling level, I think the main reason why they probably did that was because. They was they were sort of showing that, and this is the kind of thing that Spike would do, you know, regardless of money, probably, but but he was I think he was sort of showing that they those guys became the men that they were in 2020 at that moment, and that they haven't changed since then, essentially. So that they so the men that we are introduced to initially in the film, they are those same guys so it may it didn't make so he they were sort of he was sort of making a statement visually that they that they were stuck in the war and they are those they are, they are those they are still those people and that they haven't been released from that war yet so that's there's certain readings that i've done that this sort of it's sort of you know critical reading that sort of state that Spike hasn't said it himself exactly, but uh, directly. But you know, I I would think that that may be involved in that decision. But it it is a it is a particular style decision, and it is the type of thing that Spike would do. And is it could be off putting in a way or 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 confusing. But for me, it it wasn't so much where it was like, oh, you know, I, I just. But you no, know, because I did that reading before seeing the movie, I you know I was, I was prepared for it, and I you know sort of made me deal with it better than that. But I I understand because like my I watched it with my mom, and she was like, the the they did they did it like they have one of those scenes, then they had another one, and she was like, why they ch-? <laughs> she's just like why didn't they why do they look the same. I was like, well, you know, I kind of I went to the spiel a little bit, but, you know, I can understand, though, for uh, the average movie watcher, why that would be off putting.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it it was off putting. Some of the firefighters just felt kind of a little, um, I don't know if stilted is the right word.
0: But let's Um, warn, let's warn, I don't know if we're going to go into any spoilers, but let's warn against them in case we do. That's yeah. No, no. yeah that's yeah, not really no, a no, that's no, not really no. a spoiler, but that the age thing trying, is not a big deal. But
1: general. yeah, I'm trying to keep it as general as possible. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, like so. It's, it's like the firefight scene. Some of them felt a little stilty. Uh What I did like is a lot of the you know documentary uh, shots of videos and then the pictures and things like that. I think that did work well um, for it. You mean like yeah, the use
0: of the real, the footage of the king and people like that and the the Vietnam footage? All of that yeah. worked out. I mean, all of that, all of that worked really well because I think it created a juxtaposition. It showed Vietnam the Vietnam War in a light that it traditionally hadn't been shown in before.
1: I mean, in every other movie, you know, it's been shown in you know even in the uh, you know the most grittiest Vietnam War movies. Metal jacket things along that yeah. you know that movies and those things it has a, it's been shown the American GI in a celebratory form and yeah. this movie was just more of an honest you know perception of a lot of the damage that was done in uh Vietnam during the war whether it's napalm just a lot of the uh you know the people that were killed um you know a lot of the, the Vietnamese that were killed whether it's through North Vietnamese whether it's through American you know action it showed a lot of that, and it showed a lot of it unblinking. Yeah. And it showed, you know, and it showed also a lot of the sentiment, you know, amongst, you know, the Martin Luther King, and of course, Muhammad Ali against the Vietnam War during that time. And it's first that and most Vietnam War movies are celebratory to a certain Vietnam War. So I think this is the first one that that, it, that didn't happen. So I, I appreciate Spike for that. He, he's never one to pull the punches about what the truth is. And, you know, I do respect that. I think that sometimes the storylines go off on a little bit of kind of odd tangents. And I think that's something that I, you know, it's just mm-hmm. something I have to be happy, you know, go along with the ride. It's kind of what it's right. like. You just have to be willing to go ride. You don't know where it's going and You don't know where it's going to end. You don't know where it's gonna end. But you know, you know, you know, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a little wacky to a certain extent. But you got to kind of enjoy the ride. I don't. I'm trying to think where that's kind of where he started, where that kind of started. If I had to remember, you know, not to get off too much, but like I think around "She Hate Me," he started some of his films started to go off on those
0: kind of odd uh, journeys. But <laughs> it's interesting that you say that too, because that had like a historical storyline in it too. That was kind of. It, and that was kind of wild and like I say off the beaten path with the whole, wasn't it like Watergate involved in that or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Started yeah. his
1: father, Jim Brown. Yeah, Jim Brown, about, yeah. You know,
0: and, and, and. Started about the first
1: black man to essentially be a whistleblower or
0: something like that. Yes, and that yeah. All, you know. And the thing, and, and see, the thing with Spike now in his last two movies is that he's become, he, he's become a director of, of the moment. Again, by looking, doing a lot of looking in the past, because you look at Black Klansmen, uh-huh. and now uh, the Five Bloods dealing, both dealing with past issues and how they relate to our our world today. And you know, it's, it's yeah, and it's it's just it's you know he he's a guy who he looks at things in his unique way, and he he uses that to get across on film and through film language and uh, you know i, I re- one review i read said that he's sort of overlooked or under, underrated as a film historian you know much in the way that people look at like a scorsese or something as someone who has a grip on the whole the entire history of cinema and he uses that to his advantage in film and his films that he makes. like spike in this movie referenced a lot of past films Especially past war films and Vietnam films, like you know, Apocalypse Now Bridge on the River, Kwai, And um the one that really jumped out to me most was Platoon. Cause I think I think you I know you seen Platoon, right? Yeah, I seen
1: Platoon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I think there was a lot of platoon in the way that Jonathan Major's character was sort of if you if you if you look at him as the Charlie Sheen character in platoon and uh Clark Peters and Delroy Lindo as the uh uh the opposing father figures in platoon it was the Behringer and uh uh my man name in platoon. Uh Defoe, was the was that Dafoe? Dafoe, yes, yes. William Dafoe and and Behringer how they played against uh charlie sheen majors was sort of in that position in between them sort of split for a while and he was you know i know that just sort of like this the one scene in particular where they had to get the gun from delroy's character from paul and they yeah. fought him like that that just sort of made me think of platoon very much in that way yeah yeah
1: yeah No, I, no, no I, I definitely agree No, it, um, like I said, he, yeah, he, 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 like I said, he did the premise of it work, you know, the premise of it is, I think, a solid. I think of the, you
0: know, the camaraderie or the relationship between them was solid. I think a lot of the
1: documentaries, like, piece the real photo, real, it was great. Um,
0: what do you think, Isaiah Whitlock? Uh, yeah, he. I mean, even his character. I mean, his character was. I mean, it was
1: entertaining. I mean, it was solid. I don't think he. You know, it wasn't. It w- he wasn't necessarily like the standout. Of course, Durod got was a standout, but uh, it, it was he. Uh, he was a little bit more mellow version of what I'm used to seeing him. Like, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm used to seeing him kind of being a little bit more larger than life in a lot of instances. But he um, he hasn't had a
0: role where he's done as much. Not, at least not in a, in a movie like, yeah, you know, like this. So. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I think that's kind of, you know, part of it is. But also, like I said, I also had to do a lot of will, what's it called willing suspense, uh, suspension of disbelief with this movie. Is just kind of far as, like, 70-year-old guys who haven't, you know, had HDH like, uh, slow has, <laughs> you know, involved <laughs> in fire and fight walk and walking around, you know, through the jungle.
0: And um yeah. so, so some of that stuff I had to I mean, I think like Clark Peters character was the only one that realistically, you know, kinda was uh you know, maybe showed some like signs of age just and just kinda, you know, I think he had a bad hip or something like that. But so them trying to carry rucksacks of gold through Yeah, you know, that would have been that yeah. Was, that that was that, that would have yeah. been rough.
1: Yeah, it was a bit rough. <laughs> Going through the jungle and then all the humidity and all the things like that. Yeah, that, that that's a bit rough. And so there were certain parts where I just had to have willful suspension of uh, disbelief. Um, it was a pleasant surprise seeing some people in the movie that I didn't expect to see. Uh, John Renault, I didn't
0: even know John <laughs> Renault until. Then. Yeah, I think he. I think he made him purposely look like Trump at the end with when he put the hat on, and he had yeah. the white suit on. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, man, I think, yeah, that definitely was. But, um, no, I mean, but the movie, like I said, the movie, I think the movie has some strong points. Well,
0: I think the movie was definitely enjoyable. Dude. It had, a, you know, and it has some solid points. I don't know if it's going to be my, if it's going to my spike cannon, so to speak, but it, it, it was enjoyable. I mean, it
1: was enjoyable. I mean, it's, you know, it's somewhere around the, you know, middle of the pack or somewhere to lower the middle of the pack for me as far as Spike. I mean, like I said, I like you know between I had to do between this and Black Klansman. I probably you know Black Klansman was a movie I could watch again. I mean, I think it just
0: kind of felt more like a little bit more of a polished product. Than maybe it was, but yeah. Um, but like I
1: said, I think this, this was still. But like I said, it was it, was, it was a good watch.
0: I, um, yeah, I'm I I think I probably enjoyed it a, a bit more than you, but. Uh, like you said he has monumental works that he's done that and it's hard to live up to I'm just glad that people appreciate him still 30 years into his career and that he's making movies that you know that are like I said very much of the moment and when you look at what's going on now in society for for his movie to drop you know he's he said in some interviews he didn't expect it. He didn't expect any of this to happen when his movie dropped, but you know it it did, and it's it's sort of meaningful that his movie was released when it was, and maybe that'll help more people remember it going forward. I don't know, yeah, but I mean, you know it yeah, it, it helps it helps with the resonance of it. I say,
1: yeah, it's definitely yeah the present. Yeah, it's definitely it's
0: definitely on time. Yeah, so yeah, good for him and. Uh, I, I and I was I was kind of worried, you know, because with Spike, he'll do what he'll do a great movie and then come back with something, you know, kind of funny. but but he's you know we, we could say that he's hit, he's had two hits in a row again, and that's that's good for him. Yeah, no, it's good for him. I mean, you know, to, doing, to, to do movies once like every two years. I mean, you know. You're gonna have some flops. I mean, at that, that that high level of consistency. Mm. I mean, so everything's not gonna be, you know, a hit. So, you no, know, I mean, it was entertaining. So, I mean, it was
1: entertaining. It, it was entertain. It was it was entertaining. It was it was informative. Um, you know, I think that if he if he cut off maybe like a half hour of it again, I'd probably watch it again. I just think that part of it is being two and a half hours you know, fortunately in this, you know, culture that we live in, I think it's hard to kind of keep people engaged that
0: long. Well, you know, I I don't know, I don't know about that because I read a piece today about another director who sort of gets criticized for that, Judd Apatow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his movie came out, his his most recent movie came out this weekend too uh, uh, with Pete Davidson, The King of Staten Island. And that's, that's supposed to be a comedy, and that's two and a half hours. But with Apatow, that's sort of par for the course. But Appetal said he—I read a quote where he said, "Like people sit down and binge, you know, shows for five out several hours at a time, but and want to complain about a movie being two and a half hours." So I kind of—I'm kind of on this side with that.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, well, you know, what I say on well, spike and the fist, Jud Appertow is no spike. He doesn't hasn't put out a. a I, I I'm not going to sit and watch Pete Davidson for two and a half
0: hours. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not talking <laughs> about, but but he's done that. He's done that with better people too. Yeah, you know, I
1: mean, I don't. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's I don't. You know, I know. But
0: in in general, I'm, in general, regardless of whatever your thoughts are about them as creators. The, I mean, if there is a freedom that's available, especially now when you have a lot of films that are straight to video now, straight to streaming, I should say, now and stuff like that, where, I mean, and, and, and like I said, people do sit down and watch media for various times some people can't. Some people can't sit down and watch anything for more than an hour or so. But a lot of people do watch stuff for several hours at a time. So if it's if it's an engrossing enough story, I'll sit and watch for however long it needs to be watched myself. So no, it's just. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, and, and I agree. But like I said, I'm that, like with this, with the with,
0: with the five plus, if it was like a half hour shorter. I mean, that's a lot of story, though. I mean, what do you take out to equate all that? What
1: do I take out to equate all that? I mean, maybe some of the shooting scenes.
0: Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's a it's a movie about war, so I mean, that's it's a movie about war. I don't mean I
1: don't mean the historical fight scenes. I mean
0: the you, you mean the, you mean the 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 old people fight scenes well, they were all old people fighting. <laughs> the old, old, the present old people fighting. You no, know, no, not yet.
1: Yeah, the current day, the uh, current day fight scene, I take out some of them. What you did, I don't even think you needed them. It was just really ironic. Like the best Vietnam War movies, especially like the best black Vietnam War movies, ironically enough, didn't even focus that much time in Vietnam. I mean, maybe black dead presidents isn't like a, a traditional Vietnam War movie, but that's was like, um, just because maybe like uh, what, to what Spike did through document through you know through the document through the video through the uh, documentary uh, you know film the uh, you know photos and the film the the, uh, the is kind of did through the actual film. So it show it juxtaposed what was going on in America and what was going on in Vietnam. It showed in juxtapose, it showed both what was going on. It showed that once you got home from Vietnam. You
0: know, life is still bad for you. Yeah, that, you know, but know Dead Presence is a film I still hold dear. There are there are some issues I have with that movie. I have to do I have to talk about that some other time. If I don't know if we do uh-huh. if we do some we, we gotta do we gotta start doing some looking back on some movies like that, maybe we and record and do some stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. We're coming up on the hour though, so IG's yeah. gonna kick us out. But thanks, man, for for coming on with me and chopping it up with me.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I
0: appreciate it. No doubt, man. Anytime. And uh, thanks for those who joined. Uh, You know, if you you didn't hear everything, uh, this will be available on War on Anchor. That's our podcast platform. And you can uh, download it or listen to it on just all the major podcast platforms uh you know apple google spotify you know just look up we are regal radio or, or war on anchor and you should be able to find us pretty easy but uh Dave man good to see you bro hope you're doing well we'll see each other in person soon man sounds good thanks I All right, man, to give my best to the family and um thank you yeah yeah and uh I'll be back I may be back tomorrow. Actually, I kind of, i had another person I wanted to bring on tonight, but he couldn't come on tonight. I ain't gonna say what is yet, but uh, I may be back tomorrow night. If I don't come on tomorrow night on IG, I may record just record with that person a podcast. So uh, we'll have more. We'll have some new stuff this week. At least two new podcasts. This will be available, like I said. And uh, and and something else tomorrow. So, yeah, just keep looking out for us. We are regularradio dot on anchor. Follow Dave, man. Dave, you you want to give out any pa- any of your pages? I, I know you can stay on the low sometime but you... well, I mean, I mean, I'm on. I mean, I have my IG page, but I
1: mean, yeah, you know, I post something irrelevant. So, but
0: give give your tag, man. Give your tag.
1: Oh, D evans seven
0: twenty three. D evans seven twenty three. Yeah, follow by man. But uh, yeah, that's it though for now, man. We'll get at y'all later, man. More, uh, you know, check the website too, we are radio.com for more writing, and uh, plenty of good stuff is up all at the moment already. So, yeah, just keep checking us out, man. Show us love, and we'll show it right back. All right, y'all uh, stay safe out there. You know, do some good for if you can't check yourself, and uh, we'll holler at you later.